Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20. Jeremiah, chapter 20. The Bible is an amazing book. We could literally spend months studying all of the wonders of the Bible and never be able to uh, to exhaust all that that it says. Not only is the Bible amazing, the Bible speaks about amazing things. For example, it tells us about the most amazing person who ever lived, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. It speaks about many amazing subjects. We think about grace and mercy and love justification, and on and on the list of subjects go that the Bible deals with, things that literally thrill our heart and, uh, and help us throughout life. Among all of the numerous things that the Bible talks about, there is something that, that maybe you never really thought about very much, and we're going to talk about it this morning And I'm talking about the amazing ability of some folks to keep going who just refuse to quit, that never give up, even though all of the odds are against them. And there's a long list of people that fit in that category. I I think about Joseph. What a wonderful story that is. I've often tried to picture myself being in that place and just wonder what my attitude would have been toward those brothers. With my vigilante spirit, I'm afraid that, uh, you know, that our reunion would have been their doomsday. I I just, I, I can't picture myself ever being as strong as Joseph was. And I think about Moses and, and what an amazing man Moses was. We think about those years there in the wilderness, even after God had told him that he would not be able to enter into the promised land. And so without any personal benefit to him, he continued to lead and to minister to those people, the very same people that talked so bad against him. You know, the very same people that complained about everything under the sun And without any personal gain, Moses stayed right in the fight and served them as long as humanly possible. I think about David, and I think about Daniel, and I think about the Apostle Paul. But I think for some reason that I don't even really understand, I think it's Jeremiah that piques my interest the most. There's just something about Jeremiah that makes him my favorite Old Testament prophet. And there are many things about him that, that you know, gets my attention. Many things about him that I admire. But we can't really talk about his strength without considering his difficulties and his weaknesses. And that's what we're going to do this morning as we look at verse number 7. Jeremiah chapter 20, beginning in verse number 7. O Lord, Thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, 
I cried violence and spoil because of the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. And then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. For I feared the defaming of many, fear on every side. Report, say they, and we will report it. And all of my familiars watched for my halting, saying, peradventure, he will be enticed And we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our vengeance on him. But the Lord is with me. You know, we could truly admire a person who said, I've never been discouraged to the point that I considered quitting. I mean, if such a person really does exist, I've heard people say, you know, well, I've, been, I've never even heard preachers say, I've never even thought about resigning. That's never been a consideration. Well, they haven't lived long enough. It's the only thing. I, either that or they're lying. Because at some point in time, whenever the, you know, whenever everything's going wrong, there'll be that time that Satan will put that seed of doubt in your mind and you'll wonder whether you're more of a hindrance than a help. And you'll think, well, you know, maybe maybe the time has come. But you could really admire somebody that says, you know, no, I've never been there. I've never even thought about it. It's never been a consideration. But you know, sometimes we see a person's strength by looking at their weakness. And I think Jeremiah is a perfect example of what we're talking about this morning. He admitted that he wanted to quit. Now, if you know anything about Jeremiah, this is totally out of character for him. And, uh, I mean, that makes this shocking for him to say what he does. Because here is a man who truly loved God and truly loved his country. He was a man who was tough, but he was tender. Here was a man who was dedicated But he's discouraged, and he is one of the very last people that you would ever suspect to to feel like this. Uh, For for him to say, I'm going to quit, I'm not even going to mention his name. Talking about the Lord, I'll not mention his name any longer. And so he says, I'm going to quit. The title of the message this morning is, too soon, too soon to quit. Not being in his shoes, and I want to emphasize that. Not being in his shoes, because it's easy for us to stand back and look at this situation and, and to be critical of him, right? I mean, I read this, and that was, you know, one of the first thoughts that comes to my mind, boy, you know, he needs a be taken on a trip out to the woodshed. God needs to work him over and straighten him out. And my, what a flop and a failure uh, he is. But I'm not in his shoes. And neither are you. you. You see, we don't understand really what all he is going through. And that's why we can't understand why he felt as he did. And, and 
And the fact of the matter is, some of us in some way has felt the same. There have been times in your life, maybe just for a fleeting moment, you felt like just giving up. It might be that it was something that, you know, that was overnight or maybe something that lasted for an entire day or several days or weeks or maybe it just drug on for, for months you felt that way. Just the spiritual blahs and nothing was going right and nothing made you happy and nothing encouraged your heart and you just felt like throwing in the towel and giving up. In our heart, we know that this is going to open us up to criticism. We know others are going to look upon us with disdain. And we, you know, we know that it's going to bring us grief. And we think about the consequences of this, but yet it's almost as though we can't control ourselves. Uh, we know we ought to get beyond it, but for whatever reason, we just can't get beyond it. We are weak. At least at that moment, we're weak, and we know it. We're headed for trouble, and we dread it. And hopefully, this example of Jeremiah will inspire us to be as honest as he was in admitting his weakness, acknowledging his problem and his difficulty, because this is a picture of helplessness. This is a man that has reached the end of his rope and doesn't have the energy to tie a knot and hang on. I mean, he's going under, he's going down for the count, and it appears totally hopeless until suddenly God enters into the picture. Now, if you're thinking that this is a story just about a preacher, you're mistaken, Because although this has to do with the preacher, it's a message for absolutely all of us because there are people that feel like quitting. It might be a young person who feels like quitting on their education, just going to drop out of school. I don't like it anyway. I know that I really need it. Everybody needs a good education, but, you know, it's just not worth the time, not worth the effort. And so there are those who are tempted to drop out, and some do drop out. There are those that quit on their job. Just give up. It it, it might be that they didn't get the raise they were looking for. It might be they're just tired of that particular job or they can't get along with the boss or whatever it is. But they, they just finally have one of those days on the job to where I think I'll just quit. And some people do. Sadly, there are those that give up on their marriage. You know, all of a sudden, things start going bad. By the way, there will always be some bad along with the good. I've often said, you know, a marriage is kind of like flying an airplane. All of those instruments on that airplane are there for a purpose because they are off course about 90% of the time. And they have to constantly make adjustments. But some people get tired of making adjustments in their marriage and they want everything to be their way. And so they just give up on their marriage. Let me tell you, your marriage is worth fighting for. Don't you dare quit. It's worth fighting for. Don't give up. Some give up when it comes to Christian service. 
just throw in the towel. There have been people and you know people that that have been involved in the Lord's ministry for many years and all of a sudden something will happen. It may be related to the church and other people are not. It might be something entirely different than that. Sometimes it maybe is just a distraction, things that get their attention, things they want to enjoy, and all of a sudden they get so wrapped up in all of those things that they just quit on God. Comes time, you know, for the Sunday school teachers or the Awana workers, you know, and our leaders start making out their list, and all of a sudden somebody says, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be involved this year." You need to find someone else. And You know, I always wonder to myself, what's really going on? Because usually whenever they say, well, you know, I just need a break. I, 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 I just need a break. I'm going to take a year off. Now, now, sometimes that's legitimate, but most of the time those people never get back to serving the Lord. They stay in church and they attend. They don't give up on the church, but they give up on Christian service. But then there are those that literally give up on the church. Dropouts. Some will drop out and not go anywhere else. Some will drop out and, you know, start that church for a church. And so they begin spending, you know, every Sunday out here looking at different churches, trying to find one that will make them happy, and they usually never do. Because they really don't know what they're looking for, just something that will excite them and make them happy. And then there are those that literally give up on life. I'm not just talking about elderly people that are in a nursing home that has reached that place that they can't do the things they enjoy and so they just finally give in and give up. There's an epidemic of suicide among teenagers in America today. It is absolutely amazing that so many young people at that tender age with all of their life in front of them, it's amazing to me that any of them would ever even think about ending their life. By the way, we'll look at it later, but as we read on, we've See, that happened to Jeremiah. Not that he wanted to end his life. Here is a man, if you look on down to verse number 14 and through the remainder of the chapter, he said, I wish I had never been born. Cursed is the day that I was born. He's blaming God for ever giving him life. Oh, the world be a better place without me. You see, when you get in that pit of depression, if you're not careful, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's... That's what's going on here. So this story speaks to every single person here in some way or another. And I want you to think about some things related to Jeremiah, some things that we need to think about and realize it's always too soon to quit. First of all, we see his weakness. And we all have weaknesses, and Jeremiah is no exception. There's several things that contributed to his depression. If you read the story, you see there was evil all around him. That'll get you down, right? You know, we think about the perilous times that we live in. We think about living in the last days and uh, all of the problems and all of the fears and Especially you get on certain websites and, boy, you're convinced that Russia is going to attack next week. Or I saw one just this week, the most dangerous thing on earth. 
Ebola, you know. And boy, I mean that it could just happen at any time now and we're all going to be wiped out by Ebola. And the list goes on and on and on and on. It's never ending. When we think about the evil that is all around us, but then not only was the evil all around him, there was persecution against him. And he feels like, and I think this is the part that really got him the most, he feels like that all of his efforts are in vain, that they're useless, that he's spinning his wheels, and he feels insufficient to be able to accomplish his purpose because he is assuming that a lack of results made him a failure. That caused him to make these really foolish statements. Notice what he said again. He claimed, first of all, that he was deceived in verse number 7. He said, Lord, you deceived me. You persuaded me to undertake something that I couldn't do. That's a serious charge against God. You deceived me, but then he goes on here and he basically is saying that not only did you deceive me, you dragged me into the ministry. Because notice he says, thou thou art stronger than I. Claiming that God's strength had prevailed over his reluctance. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, Lord. You got me into this mess that I'm in. And notice his weeping in verse number 8. He says, I tried violence and spoil. Here is a man who is so upset that he couldn't speak in a calm tone. The wickedness of the land compelled him to cry out, but it all seemed to be in vain. And regardless of how hard he tried and how much he cried, nothing improved. And here is the broken-hearted, weeping prophet, Jeremiah, now so distraught that he is about to give up. And then we see his wounds. If you read the story, you'll notice that here's a man that had been beaten. I'm talking about physical abuse. I mean that, that he had been literally beaten as a result of his stand for God. Sometimes, you know, we think we've really got it tough, but I don't know anyone here that has been beaten because of your stand for God. You might have got the snot beat out of you in a barroom fight, but it wasn't because of God. Here's a man that has been beaten. Here's a man that had been bound. They put him in prison. I've often thought of how horrible it would be to think about spending... uh, you know, a year of your life even imprisoned, losing your freedom. That well, happened to this man. He is beaten, he is bound, he's bashed, and he's bullied. Verse number 7 says, Everyone mocketh me. And he speaks of it again in verse number 10. Notice it wasn't the prison or it wasn't the beatings that discouraged him, but, but it was the slander. And to make matters all of the worse, the thing that really got him is because it was coming from those closest to him, his own familiars, his friends, maybe family, whoever, people that should have been supporting him have turned against him and speaking evil of him and rejecting his message. And so now we see his weeping turns to wavering here in verse number 
9, where he's literally at the point that he says, I quit. I will not make, an, make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. I give up. I quit. My ministry is useless. And it's over. And it seemed that the harder he tried, the more he failed. And now, and now he's really ready to quit. Verse number 9, we see his weariness here because he's lost control now. You know, a lot of times in our life we get so depressed, so discouraged that we're no longer controlling what's going on in our mind. We are merely reacting to the unpleasant circumstances that we find ourselves in. And as a result of that, we end up making poor choices. It's always a poor choice whenever you reach that place in your life that I've just decided I'm going to quit and it breaks my heart and and, and the thing that is just this morning that is speaking to my heart so much is because even as I talk about this, I look back over the years and I can think of so many people, good people, that have quit. People that I never expected would give up and they've given up. And then I hear the reports. Did you know so-and-so's not coming back? You know, so-and-so, they, they, they quit. Yeah, they're not going to church anywhere anymore. And it, it, it just tears your heart out to think about these people giving up, as it were, on the Lord. Now we see his wisdom. Because notice in verse number 10 and 11 here, especially verse number 11, notice what he says, but the Lord is with me. We see his wisdom in that he didn't quit. He didn't give up. He was humble enough to admit his weakness, but notice he refused to quit. And then he noticed the weapon that's involved here because he tells us how he prevailed. Notice verse number 11. He said, the Lord is with me. Let me tell you, any recovery in life is not due to our strength or our wisdom or our goodness. It's entirely due to the grace of God. The Lord is with me. He's the only reason that I have survived. That's why the Apostle Paul, whenever whenever he was speaking there near the end of his life, and he speaks about the physical affliction that he was going through and and he says, but, but when I am weak, then am I strong. And that's why he said, I take pleasure in mine infirmities. I, I rejoice in all of my difficulties. How, how could he do that? Because whenever he reached the end of his rope, whenever he was so weak that he couldn't fight anymore, and all he could do is cast himself on the mercy of God, he says, that's when I'm really strong. Because you see, it's at that moment in our life that we find ourselves in total dependence upon God. We're not fighting against Him, as it were, any longer. We're giving up and just putting our life in His hands. And let me tell you, He is our help in a time of need. That's why we never have any right or any reason to boast whatsoever. Hebrews chapter number 12, it talks about us running the race that is set before us. 
And he tells us how we can do that successfully without stumbling, without falling, without quitting. And he says, by looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith. And he says in verse number 3, consider him. And that is that as we keep our focus on Christ, we are enabled to keep from falling. And that's what's going on here. We find here this man totally out of character at the point that he wants to give up. He wants to quit. But, he says, the Lord is with me. I don't know if you've ever read the story of David Livingston or not, but you need to if you haven't. He was a remarkable man who literally devoted his life to the exploration and evangelization of Africa. Here is a man who said, you know, that he had given all to the Lord. A man who had made every sacrifice humanly possible, but yet said, I've never made any sacrifices for the Lord. A man that had dedicated himself to great hardships. He'd been mauled by a lion had yellow fever and malaria and all kinds of diseases, just all kinds of hardships, everything imaginable to the point that finally they had to carry him on a litter. He could no longer, could no longer even walk. You come back to, to address the students at the University of Glasgow. As he addressed those students, he said to them, you want to know what kept me going? Because they were wondering. Here this beraggled man stood before them, just hardly able to stand in his arm at his side that was useless. And he says, you want to know what kept me going all of these years? And he quoted the last part of Matthew 28 and verse number 20, where the Lord said... I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's what kept, kept him going. The acknowledgement that the Lord was with him. The company, the fellowship of the Lord, know, knowing that God had not given up on him, kept him from giving up on God. When finally he died... In a kneeling position, an old, well-used New Testament in front of him and his finger there on the page, Matthew 28, and out at the side of verse number 20, it said, the word of a gentleman. Speaking of Christ and His promise that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. They cut His heart out and buried the heart right there on the spot and sent His body back home. Let me tell you, there's only one thing in all of this world that's going to keep any of us going and that is for us to devote ourselves entirely to Christ. And you're going to have moments in your life, whether it's because of a conflict between you and someone else, 
or whether it's the feeling of futility in your life to where you just got that feeling, you know, the world would be better off without me. Or the church would be better off without me. And so you're at the point of giving up. And one of the reasons is because of that feeling of futility and we fail to understand that real success in this life is not doing more or better than somebody else. Real success in life is being faithful. It's being faithful regardless of the circumstances, the condition, the cost, or the consequences. Because none of us, you see, it's not our job to make anything happen. All we can do is sow and water, plant, you know, and, and as Paul said, God gives the increase. We can't make it happen. The strange thing about this story, when you go all the way back to the very beginning... And and God says to Jeremiah, I have called you from the womb. In other words, before you were ever born, I had a plan for you. And the plan was for him to become a prophet. And he said, I'm going to send you unto my people, Israel. I want to send you to them with my word. And then the Lord makes this amazing statement. He says, But they won't listen. Now, evidently, evidently Jeremiah has forgot about that or something because now he's about to give up because they won't listen. I can't be successful. Why am I even here? And some way or another, he's forgot about the fact that his duty is to be faithful, not fruitful, and not famous. Just be faithful. Now, something amazing happens here that I don't understand. Because just as he gets his feet back on solid ground, there in verse 14... He says, I was going to quit. I'd never going to mention God's name anymore. I was giving up. I was resigning. It was all over. But the Lord was with me. Hey, the first thing we think of is recovery. Thank God. He's thinking straight now. He's back in his right mind. And just about the time we start thinking that, notice the next verse. Verse 14, Cursed be the day wherein I was born. Let not the day wherein my mother bare me be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought tidings to my father, saying, A man child is born to thee, making him very glad. And he goes on and on and on. Verse 17, Because he slew me not from the womb, or that my mother, uh, or my mother might have been my grave and her womb to Be always great with me, wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow, that my days should be consumed with shame? Man, I read that and I think, what in the world is going on? He just come up out of the valley and he's on the mountaintop and what happens? 
Well, he's back in the valley. You see, all of this, folks, is for a purpose. You know, if I had been writing his biography, I would have just stopped at verse 13, verse 14. said, look at that, he's, he's recovered. Wonderful man, strong man, spiritual man, but... But God wanted us to understand something here, and He wanted us to understand that life is an ongoing battle. Let me tell you, today's victory does not assure you of tomorrow's success. This is a fight you're going to have for the rest of your life. And sometimes we fail for... Because of unjustified expectations. And and by that, I mean we become unrealistic in our thinking. And I keep... This message is so much more personal than I'm able to let you in on. I, 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 I just can't go there. You wouldn't understand and it do more harm than good. But there's so many times that, you know, we... So many times I think, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't preach like I used to. I, and, and, and so why should I even preach at all? And I, I can't do the things that I used to, so... Why not let somebody else do it? Uh, just get out of the way and instead of being a hindrance, you know, be a help and get out of the way. I'll never forget, no sooner did I surrender to preach than my mother, who loved me dearly but understood nothing about spiritual things, made this wonderful, encouraging statement. It'll never last. Yeah, it'll it'll never last. If I if I can make it about a year and what four more months, if I can make it about a year and four more months, it will be fifty years in the ministry. It's listen, listen. You're clapping, and what you don't realize is that it is in no way due to me whatsoever at all, because I would have, I would have failed and fallen by the wayside long ago. You know, I keep thinking as I get older, this is going to someday, it's going to get easier, and I, I'll, I overcome those temptations and, and avoid despair. And uh, don't jump to conclusions. I'm not resigning, but I do have a letter of resignation here. I do. Uh, I don't intend to use it. But I did. 
because sometimes there are reasons that nobody else can understand. You get the feeling, as Jeremiah did, totally inadequate. And uh, that you're wasting your time and, and, and everybody else's. And it's time to just step aside and get out of the way. I'm going to tell you, more than anything on this earth, and me included more than anything on earth, that woman sitting right over there that I've been married to now 55 years is the reason that I'm still going. She's the one that deserves all of the praise and the credit for me still being in the ministry, not me. She deserves all of the praise for that. And you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. I realize that. And if you think I'm just buttering her up so I can get my favorite meal this next week, (laughs) you're terribly wrong. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. And I'm bringing that up for, well, a couple of reasons. But the main reason I'm bringing that up is because, folks, let me tell you, everybody here and those that are not here that should be here, we're all struggling with something. And we shouldn't be in this alone. We need to be there one for another, is what the army that says, no man left behind. That's the way we ought to feel one toward another. I would have never suspected that Jeremiah would ever in a million years say what he did. You know, maybe he felt that way, but that he would actually say those things. But he did, and I'm telling you, if you're here today and you think, boy, I've got my act all together, I'm never going to quit on God, I'm never going to give up, then you're in a dangerous position. Because if it happened to him, it could happen to absolutely any of us at any time. And we need to be ready for it by keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those that have already fallen, those that have already given up, they've thrown in the towel. Oh, they didn't talk to you about it. They didn't come to me and explain it. They're just gone. And somebody needs to go to their rescue. Somebody needs to be there for them in their time of need. And just as I owe everything, as it were, to Bev, there's somebody that needs you. There might be somebody living under your own roof that needs you desperately. It might be a member of my family or a member of your family, but whoever it is... We need to understand that we all are going through these struggles and there are times that everybody gets to the point they feel like quitting. And I'm telling you, it's always too soon to quit. For more years than I can remember in every Bible I've had, I've had this little poem pasted. It says, when things go wrong as they sometimes will, 
When the road you're trudging seems all uphill, and the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, and every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when you're the hardest hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Don't you dare give up. On your marriage, on your church, don't you quit on God. It's too soon to quit. And and if you've already quit, I want to encourage you today to just... Throw yourself on the mercy of God and get on your knees in prayer and ask God to help you that you might be recovered from that awful state that you're in and become useful in His service. Would you do that while we stand together and as we sing a verse of invitation? And if you're here today and I realize that we've mainly spoken to those that know the Lord and those that are in danger of getting discouraged into the things of the Lord. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've got good reason to be depressed. You've got good reason to feel like quitting, like giving up. And what you need more than anything on this earth is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And trust Him as your Lord and your Savior. And I want to tell you, like the old song says, He gave me something worth living for. And He'll do that for you today if you'll trust Him. And we're going to give you that opportunity to trust Him today. If we can help, you come and let us know while we sing on this verse. A friend that'll never leave us nor forsake us.